0: Like I'm not super experienced, but like in the experience I do have, like this is the hardest, um, like teaching assignment. I was talking to someone about like, like laying out these things that I'm like so excited about. Like, hey, when someone in the world encounters you because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, like they encounter God, right? And everybody's like, <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for thanks for letting me let me be here. I do, feel, uh, I do feel some shame, because yesterday there was so much and so little time, and uh, it's stuff I'm so excited about. I didn't even get to finish. Um, I was supposed to end at 6.40, and I looked at my watch, and it's like, oh, it's 6.40, and I'm on point one, and we still got to get to Jesus and Revelation. So I made a handout for you. So I'll, uh, you guys can pass these around. Do with them what you want. Like they do have, like, if you, want some, if you want to think more about that, like if you want to read a book, even if you want to watch a video. Um, has anyone ever heard of the dudes from the Bible Project? Okay. Yeah, they have a, they have a video in six minutes that's super compelling, super beautiful, lays out all the stuff from yesterday. It's called Heaven and Earth. So just search that on YouTube, the Bible Project Heaven and Earth. All right we'll keep talking about the church today let me um let me open up open us up by by praying for us Lord it's a it's a um, it's a real privilege that we get to spend our morning um, even though it's early even though we're tired it's it's a real privilege that we get to spend our morning with you um, that is something that unfortunately we can uh, kind of grow bored with and I pray that you would cure us of that, like the reality that we get to spend time with you in your presence and you want to spend time with us in our presence, like the God of the universe, the one who spoke and things that weren't there suddenly were there, you want to spend time with us and that blows my mind this morning. And we get to spend time now together as your people, um, talking about what it means to be the church to be your people. And so I'm really thankful to you um, for your goodness, for your grace, and pray that you would be with us this morning. Um, pray that you would give us the, uh, the energy that we need um, to really be present. I pray for my friends here in the room that I know the summer is really hard and tiring, but I pray that you would supernaturally um, give them the energy they need to be present and to do ministry really well and to honor Jesus and to serve people. Um, pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So yesterday, um, we had to fly through it, didn't even get to finish. We talked about how uh, the world, whether they see it or not, needs the church. Because the church is a temple in the world, it's God's dwelling place in the world. And today we're going to talk about how you need the church. Um, And I was brainstorming yesterday, and I want to lay out a few different... um, a few different areas where, like apart from the church, you're going to hit kind of a ceiling. But if you're living and functioning in the church, uh, you can kind of shatter that ceiling and experience these different things in, the, in their fullness. Okay, um, We'll see how many we get through. Uh, the first is, uh, so I'm going to share each of these and I'll share personal stories about how in the church I've experienced these things. And you'll start to see like, why well, I love the local church so much. Today when I say church, I mean local church. Like a local church that you're joined up with, that you're participating in, that you're involved in. Um, the first thing is relationship. Relationship. I'll say it a different way uh, that takes relationship kind of to a new level. You know, because I, like, I have a relationship with my dentist. But that's not what I'm talking about. Um, a different way to say it would be intimacy. Um, intimacy. Relationship. Intimacy. Relational intimacy. Like you were created uh, for intimacy. Uh, you're created for deep relationship. It's something that whether you recognize it or not, you, you crave. Like you have to have it. You need it. Um, we could talk a lot about why, but... At its most basic level, like you're created in the image of a God who has existed from eternity past in relationship, in intimacy with himself um, as the Trinity, as three in one. Uh, We go searching for intimacy in all the wrong places because every human being has to have intimacy. They crave it. They need it. Um, And there are all sorts of false substitutes for intimacy, right? That if we go after... Like, we won't experience intimacy, we'll ultimately experience um, toxicity, we'll ultimately experience, maybe not like a literal death, but like a metaphorical death, right? Like um, unhealthy, toxic um, relationships, pornography, social media, like there are a million, like we just lay out a million different ways that we chase after intimacy instead of going for the real thing. We settle for a substitute instead of going for the real thing. But, I believe, because of Jesus, um, the place where you can experience real intimacy, the real intimacy that you're created to experience, is the church. Um, Because real intimacy happens when I can know the full you, like the worst of you, and the best of you, and I can still love you. Like, I'm not going to reject you when I hear the worst of you, and I'm also not going to be tempted to worship you when I see the best of you when I see your glory when I see your gifts shining like I can love you for you I can be me and we can be in relational intimacy with one another that can happen in the church because of Jesus I'll say this um, like a year ago two years ago I would have just ended it right there right? Like you can experience that sort of relational intimacy in the church because of Jesus yes the church is awesome let's move on to point two But here's what I'm learning from experience. Um, That can happen in the church. And that's sort of an ideal way to think about the church. But if we're really honest, um, that's really rare in the church. Like that doesn't often exist in the church. Where people um, live in and enjoy and struggle through like real deep authentic relational intimacy with one another that's really rare in the church um and we're gonna talk about why but if i don't tell you that like what's going to happen is three years from now like you're going to be getting involved in the local church and you're constantly going to be frustrated and you're going to move from church to church like searching for this deep relationship that you crave and you're never going to find it Um, are you all with me like is that you agree you'll agree one day if you don't yet um So let's talk about why that is and what we can do to combat it. Let's look at Genesis 3. We're just going to walk through this passage kind of verse by verse. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. Genesis 3. Um, And this has a ton to do with the church, but this also just has a ton to do with you. You. Uh, This has a ton to do with your summer here at SOS and really enjoying it and benefiting from it the most. So we are created and we crave this sort of ideal relationship. But the type of relationships that we um, live in are a result of what we see happening in Genesis chapter 3. So in Genesis chapter 3, let me just point out some different characteristics of relationship that are happening. And you can see, like you can identify like, man, I live this same exact way. Like instead of enjoying full life, full living, full relationship, I like live this kind of stunted, half-hearted, ultimately like soul-destroying sort of relationship. Okay, so let's, let's walk through this. Y'all, y'all will remember the story, like, uh, God and Adam and Eve living together in the garden. Like, there's perfect uh, unity and intimacy there. Uh, God gave uh, a prohibition. Like, there's this tree. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay? And then we get to Genesis 3. So let's look at this. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent, so we see on the scene there's an antagonist. Um, The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So the first aspect of relationship that we all embrace, this doesn't lead to intimate relationship, this leads to soul-destroying relationship, is half-truths. Half-truths. And y'all know, y'all know about half-truths. Like you got something to confess, something you're not proud of, you feel a lot of shame and guilt about it, and in order to protect yourself, in order to shield yourself, like you don't tell the whole truth, Right? Like, dudes, you don't tell, like, all the details of what went on when you, like, visited that website, right? Like, you try to brush it up, like, shine it up a little bit, like, polish it a little bit. Half-truths. Instead of living in transparency and vulnerability, we tell half-truths. Eve, inst- Eve says, like, yeah, God said we can't eat it. He also said we can't touch it. And the serpent's tricking her with half-truths. Did God really say to you that you can't eat of the fruit of this tree? Half-truths. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Half-truths. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Look at verse 6. There's a ton in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and He ate. We miss this because we're so familiar with this story. We've heard it and we've read it a million times. But the way that the author of this story kind of inserts Adam into the narrative, um, like is kind of ironic and comical. Like all along Adam has been there, but he's not even mentioned until verse 6, where the writer of the story says, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Like there's a sense of irony Like a sense of, um, even though it's not a funny situation, like there's a sense of like comedy going on, right? Adam was with her all along, yet there's this sense of like passivity, passiveness. And we do the same thing in our relationship. Like we're passive with one another. And then, and as Westerners, we can really identify with this, um, there's a sense of independence going on. Like the serpent tempts Eve, Adam standing passively aside, and Eve, like, just makes the decision in isolation and independence. Okay, sure, I'll take some of this fruit and eat it. I'll give some to my husband, and he'll eat it too. Instead of, like, this is a huge decision, right? Like, God told you not to do this, and you're going to do it. Why don't you, like, hey, let me talk to my husband about this, right? Like, let me just reach out and ask him for help. Like, hey, what do you think about this? I'm about to make this decision. Let me, let me ask God what he thinks, Right? Like, instead of living dependently, we live independently. And that's actually like a value that we have in America. Like, I can live independently. I can live on my own. I can live without the help of other people. And it's toxic in relationship. It doesn't lead to relational intimacy and health and thriving. It leads to toxicity and death. Okay? Independence. All right. Keep going. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened... And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Verse 8 is, I think, the saddest verse in all of the Bible. And then verse 9 is the hopeful, most hopeful verse in all of the Bible. Look at verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. For the first time in human history... Humanity wants nothing to do with the presence of God, but they hide from God's presence, which is the story of humanity ever since this moment. And it's the story of your life too, like you live in hiding. Um, it's your natural inclination to hide and to live in isolation. Even if you're a person who like loves being around other people, Like you, you tend to hide. Instead of being fully transparent, like here's the full me, Like I'm going to hide, I'm going to guard, I'm going to isolate some things the man and the woman, hide from God's presence. Like, it's so sad. And then look at verse 9. This is the most hopeful verse in all of Scripture. But the Lord God, but Yahweh, called out to the man and said to him, where are you? But God takes a step towards Adam when Adam's hiding and living in isolation and says, where are you? And it's not a geographical question. Like, this is God. This is Yahweh. Like, He's all-knowing. Like, he knows everything. He created the garden. It's not a geographical question like a cosmic game of hide-and-seek, right? Like, man, Adam is a really good hider. Even God can't find him. Uh, this isn't a geographical question. It's a relational question. Like, God isn't reaching out like, where are you? I've lost you. He's reaching out like, where are you? Like, Adam, you're the one that I love. I want to be in a relationship with you. Where are you? And that's the key. The key is in verse 9. Like, if, if we in the church want to redeem relationships, and not experience, like living independently, living in isolation, living in hiding, living uh, passively, living with half-truths, what we need to know is that God reaches out, and that because God reaches out, like we can break all those patterns and begin to experience the real relational intimacy we were created for. So here's the deal, and we're going to move on after this. Um, God takes the first step, but then you have to take a step. The reason that this doesn't happen in churches is because people never take a step. People wait for someone else to take a step towards them. Does that make sense? But that's not going to happen. One day you're going to be in churches, like you're going to join up with a local church, and you're going to have to take a step in transparency and vulnerability towards someone else. Someone else, it's probably not going to happen that someone's going to take a step towards you. You're going to have to take a step towards them. And you can because God has taken a step towards you. You with me? So six years from now, like write that down and remember it. Because if you don't remember that, you're going to bounce from church to church. You're never going to experience this sort of relationship that we can experience in the church. All right? Remember that six years from now. Second thing, uh, well, let me, let me tell the story. Um, uh, so I grew up in the local church. Um, after college, uh, my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, she was in school in Fort Worth, Texas at TCU. I went to school. Yeah, I'm awesome. Here we go. Here we go. Go frogs. Um, I went to a small school in Mississippi, and so we thought it'd be wise, like, hey, let's date for a little while in the same place. That makes a lot of sense instead of long distance for all these years. And so I moved to DFW. Um, If you've ever been to DFW, you know that it's really big. Um, I lived completely on the other side of the metroplex from where she lived. Um, And it was one of, like, it was the darkest and hardest season of my life. Because all of these things were true for me. Like I was living in isolation, I was passive, I wasn't taking steps towards other people, I was living independently, Um, I was hiding. I was trying to get involved in this giant church in Dallas where there's a really famous preacher that some of y'all probably listen to, and it was really hard to do. Um, Until I moved to Fort Worth, I got involved in this small church By God's grace, people were taking steps towards me in transparency and vulnerability. And finally, I started to break some of these cycles and experience this sort of relationship, okay? Um, So, like, I want you guys to experience this in the church. And I believe you can through Jesus and through God reaching out to you. Second thing is um, you need to grow up into spiritual maturity. And I believe that the Structures and means that God has put in place for you to do that is the local church. Um, Paul says in First Corinthians, listen to what he says. Like this is Paul writes some crazy stuff to some of these churches. Some churches like he's so affectionate and so kind and so loving towards, and then other churches like, man, this has some sting to it, right? Like punch me in the gut, Paul. This is what he says to the Corinthians in First Corinthians three. But I could not address you as spiritual people. Whoa. I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for it, for you are of the flesh. (laughs) Paul's like, you're a bunch of like little kids and you need to grow up. Like I can't feed you with meat. All I can feed you with is milk. You're not even spiritual people. Like you're still of the flesh. Whoa, Paul, come on. Um, like, y'all have to grow up, and I'm not, I'm not trying to punch in the gut like Paul does, but, like, we need to be ever-increasing in spiritual maturity. Like, even if you're already grown up, you need to grow up more. Like, you can't keep drinking milk. Like, we have a, um, one-month-old daughter, and if six years from now, like, she's still nursing and only getting milk, like, there are a ton of things wrong with that scenario, right? Um, she won't be getting the nutrients she needs, People will look at us and be like, man, that is a weird family, right? Like, you have to to move on from milk to meat. Um, In Colossians chapter 1, at the end of Colossians chapter 1, Paul talks about how God has set up he and other ministers for this purpose. Listen to this Um, to help you grow in spiritual maturity in Christ. Like that's the reason that the church exists. To help you grow in spiritual maturity in Jesus. Let me read this in Ephesians 4. It's long. You don't have to turn there because we're almost out of time. Just listen to me read this. Like stay present. Listen. This is the word of the Lord. Listen to this. And God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Like God has created this sort of structure and gifted certain people in certain ways. Why? Verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 4. To equip the saints... For the work of ministry. For building up, growing into maturity, the body of Christ. Okay? Like, I believe that apart from, like, really being involved in a local church, you'll never experience the spiritual maturity that you're created to experience. Like, you'll just be drinking milk for your entire life. Um, Now, spiritual maturity doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, Like, my daughter will be drinking milk for a little while, right? Like, I'm not going to feed her a steak when she's six days old. Um, Big dog may want me to. Like he probably already re- ready to take her to TB. But she's not ready for that yet. One day. One day she'll be ready for that. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. And you're going to want it to happen overnight. Because we live in a culture of instant gratification. But it's going to take you submitting to and investing in a local church. Listen to this. This is something you don't like to hear. For years. For years. In order to, for you to shatter these glass ceilings and grow up into spiritual maturity. I'll close with this story. There are more of these that we don't even get to get to. Um, The last one was um, uh, purpose. Like, we're all millennials, and we want purpose in our life, right? Like, we're the cause-driven generation. We don't want to work for a corporation for, like, 60 years. Like, we want to work for nonprofit organizations and organizations that are making a difference in the world, right? Even, like, these giant nonprofit, even these giant corporations, like, have to now show, like, man, we're changing the world, right? That's what we want. But only in the church, I believe, can we truly find purpose that will fuel us and energize us for a lifetime. Um, I'll close with this story. Uh, um, Three seasons in my life where I feel like I've shattered these glass ceilings and grown up into spiritual maturity. Um, I became a Christian when I was uh, in high school at like a retreat that my church went on, uh, my church youth group. Um, All of these seasons... Happened through submitting to and taking time in and investing in the local church. Um, The first is, so when I was in high school, Philip actually came to be my youth director in small town Grenada, Mississippi. And uh, for years, like Philip intentionally invested in me and in lots of other people in the youth group. Uh, Even after I went to college, like Philip would drive over to where I was regularly so he could have time with me, right? And through that happening... Like, no offense to Philip and what we had going on in Grenada, Mississippi, but it wasn't like the biggest, hippest megachurch on the block, right? Like, it was just a normal, regular, everyday old uh, first church on the corner, right? But through years of submitting and investing, like, I shattered these glass ceilings and started to taste more and more spiritual maturity. Um, The second one isn't through, like, a local church. It's through the universal church, and it was at SOS, like, investing here for summer's. Um, and then the third was that season in Fort Worth, like where I found a healthy local church, was investing there, was being poured into. Um, and then I won't even mention like this last year of my life, like working for and submitting to and being part of a local church, like glass ceilings shattering over and over and over. Okay? So I don't want you all to drink milk. I want you all to enjoy steak. And it's going to happen through the local church. You need the local church. Like submit for the long haul, invest. Um, let me pray. May God will be gracious to you all to help you to do it, because it's hard, okay? Let me close in prayer. God, I'm so excited and uh, grateful for the local church. It's such a gift from you. Um, I'll be honest, it's like we talked about. Like, we can talk about this idyllic, amazing vision of the church where, like, there's community and relational intimacy and Like, we're growing in spiritual maturity all the time and instantaneous and all this sort of stuff. But that's just not the reality. Like, that's not how it works. That's not what it looks like. Um, Real relationships are messy and are really scary and are really hard. And really growing into spiritual maturity takes a long time and is slow and is frustrating. But for some reason, Lord, that's the way you work. And for some reason, you choose to do it through the local church. So my prayer um, for every person gathered in this room is that you would give them a lot of grace to invest for the long haul in a local church for years, for years and years and years. And Lord, I pray that through that, um, they would experience, so so few people actually taste this, but I pray that people in this room would taste real relational intimacy with other people. And I pray that they would experience real spiritual growth, that they would be able to move on from drinking milk And that they'd be able to enjoy richer and finer things in their life through the local church and spiritual maturity. And then that they would have real purpose in the local church for every aspect of their life. Not just ministry, but whatever sphere you're calling them to work in. That they would have purpose there um, that they find by being involved in local church. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.